Casey worked at a bank for a while, and during her time there, we learned just how creative people can be when it comes to being dishonest with others. And that's because the bank kept its employees current on the different financial scams that were prevalent at the time. So anything from credit card skimmers at gas stations to online fraud to relationship scams that people could face. And part of their training to identify and prevent scams is that occasionally a department at the bank would send an anonymous email to all the employees. It was an innocent looking email. But when you clicked on it, you realized that it was actually sent as a test. It was supposed to be like a fraudulent email that you would open. At least you were supposed to realize that. Inside the email, they also had a link that it would prompt you to click. And that link represented the dangerous links that you can find in fraudulent emails. And Casey said on those days that they sent the emails out, you could almost always hear at least one person in the branch yell out from wherever they were seated, ah, I clicked the link again. And then they would have to have meetings, and they'd go over how many people clicked the email, how many people clicked the link in the email, instead of just deleting it, which is what they were supposed to do. And I'll tell you what, I always knew that, that scams happened, but when Casey was working at the bank, it opened my eyes to just how creative people have become at stealing from others. And, and it's things like this that create in us this, this distrust we have towards people, right? And we don't answer that unknown phone number that's calling us because we just assume it's probably a scam caller. If we're going to enter into an agreement with somebody, we want something in writing, a contract, right? We don't trust them to hold up their end of things. They don't trust us either. Long gone are the days of handshakes or verbal agreements, although from what I understand, the pinky swear is still held in high regard among kids. <laughs> But it's this inherent distrust that we seem to have for one another that may be why Jesus said things are supposed to be different for his followers, his people. He said in Matthew chapter 5 that we're supposed to simply let our yes be yes and our no be no. As his followers, we're supposed to be truthful in all things, whether or not we're signing contracts. And that's because we need to be more like our Savior. You see, our Savior, he doesn't scam us, deceive us, and he always follows through on his promises. A sweet truth about our Savior is that we can trust every word that comes from his mouth. The question this morning, believers, is do we? Do we trust every word that comes from our Savior's mouth? Let's turn together to John chapter 4, verse 43. John chapter 4, verse 43, where we are going to enter into a story that I pray will serve as a good reminder for us as believers that no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we can take Jesus at his word. We can trust everything that he says. We can trust everything that he has for us in the Bible. John chapter 4, verse 43. Begins this way. It says, after the two days, he, that's Jesus, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. 
And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. And we'll pause right here at the end of verse 47. Keep your place there in John chapter 4. So Jesus travels to Galilee after his time among the Samaritans. Remember, the Samaritans, they, they were that group of people that were considered unclean, unworthy in the eyes of the Jews. But when Jesus went to the Samaritans, they embraced him as the Savior of the world. It was a different atmosphere when Jesus was back among the Jews in Galilee. Uh, the people welcomed him, but only because of all the miracles that he had done. And they embraced him as a miracle worker, not as the Savior of the world, the only one who could rescue their souls and forgive their sins. We'll find over and over again throughout the book of John that just like many lost people today, there were many people in Jesus' day who simply saw him as a great man and not the Son of God. So we enter the story here in John chapter 4, and the people, they just swarm Jesus when he arrives. Like a bunch of paparazzi popping out of the bushes when a celebrity's walking down the street. They're just all over Jesus because of the things that they had seen or that they had heard about him. In fact, news about the Lord's greatness was spreading quickly. So much so that we find a royal official went to see him. This royal official from Capernaum goes to see Jesus. Now, we go to Jesus for all sorts of things, don't we? We go to Jesus for big things. We go to him for small things, for trivial things. Sometimes when we go to Jesus, like when we go to him in prayer, we go with different attitudes. We go with a passive attitude, we're just moving through the motions, or we go with this attitude of obligation, like I'm praying because I'm supposed to pray, or we go to Jesus and we're angry when we go to him, or we go to Jesus with this sense of entitlement, like Jesus just has to give me this thing I'm about to ask for. We go to Jesus for all sorts of things, with all sorts of attitudes. Sometimes we go to him the right way, for the right reasons, sometimes not. And then sometimes we go to Jesus on our knees, broken and desperate. Maybe it's because we're in a dire situation. Maybe it's because we've exhausted every other avenue. We've lost our hope. We're at the end of our rope. And we're begging him. That's where the royal official was. He was in a dire circumstance. And when was the last time you faced something like that in your life, believer? You're just at the end of your rope. You felt like it was a dire situation you were facing. Now let me ask, when you went to Jesus, did you go with the right attitude? And did you leave that conversation, did you leave that prayer trusting him? As we keep looking at the royal official's story, let's keep in mind that at this point in his life, he was not a believer. He's not a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 48. Jesus is responding to him. Verse 48 says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. I like that verse. 
Let's stop here one more time. Have you ever heard people say something like, if God does something incredible, then I'll believe in him. If God will just make me rich, if he'll turn on that light bulb, if he'll heal me of my infirmity, if he'll do any of these things, I'll put my faith in him, I'll trust him. You ever heard something like that? (laughs) Human nature doesn't change. In Jesus' day, despite the miracles he performed, the perfect life that he lived, and the truth that he taught, there were people always asking to see more. They were never satisfied. Even his enemies saw his powerful ministry, his perfect life. And still, when Jesus hung on the cross, they taunted him and said, if he's really the son of God, well, he should just save himself. Then we'll believe Many times, you'll find in life that many times, people who claim they need a miracle in order to believe are the ones who won't believe even if they see a miracle. If you constantly need miracles to believe, you don't have faith. Those are the types of attitudes that Jesus is rebuking here. And don't misunderstand, there were people who saw Jesus' miracles and then put their faith in him. As their Savior. There were people who saw his miracles and grew in their faith. But there were also a lot of people who were just content to watch the show. Who just wanted to ask for more. Who refused, despite all these things, to believe in who he is. Jesus, his miracles, they were never about gathering fans. They were about gathering sinners to the only one who could forgive them. Unfortunately, many of the people in Galilee, including the royal official... They missed that. They were just missing the point. So the official, he keeps begging the Lord. You see, he had run out of options. Things were bleak. His son was about to die. I'm sure many of us have found that sometimes it's, it's the tragedies of life. It's that sharp sting of trials that many times will bring unbelievers to the feet of the Savior. This man, he heard about Jesus' miracles, he heard about this, this individual, and he turns to Jesus because his son was dying. So keep in mind, that means the royal official, he wasn't looking to Jesus to save himself, just to save his son. He believed that if Jesus came to Capernaum, laid his hands on his boy, his son would live. And that's when Jesus says, go, go, your son will live. In other words, I'll, I'll heal him from here without going to Capernaum with you. See, now, now the official had to make a choice. He had to decide whether or not he would believe that Jesus could do this, believe what Jesus said, or doubt Jesus and his ability to heal from miles away. And that's when we read those words. Those words in verse 50 that maybe some of us have read a lot of times before, and we've probably just read right on past them, but those words in verse 50 should make us stop in our tracks says the man took Jesus at his word and departed. This man, this man was an unsaved individual meeting Jesus for the first time. And he began by believing that Jesus could heal his son if he came to Capernaum, laid his hands on him. Then Jesus said, well, I'll heal him right now. You go see for yourself. And the man didn't argue. He didn't debate whether or not Jesus could do that. He just stepped into a new level of faith, and he went. And it, it makes me wonder about our faith as Christians. It made me wonder, what, what depth of faith do we have when we go to the Lord for things? When we go to Jesus Christ and we lay it all out at his feet, whether or not he answers us right away, 
whether or not he gives us what we beg him for, do we trust him? Do we trust him? Do we trust God's words when he says in scripture that if we rely on him, he will give us the strength to overcome the temptation that we're facing? That if we confess our sins, he will forgive us? Do we trust that when he said in Philippians chapter 4, when God said that he'll meet our needs, do we trust that? Do we trust when he said that he'll never leave us nor forsake us? That his peace that surpasses understanding is available to us? That we can cast our anxiety at his feet because he cares for us? Do we trust God when he says in his word that his wisdom is available to us if we go to him in faith and ask for it? Do we trust God's word when he says that he is working all things together for his great purposes, even when things only look bad to us? Do we trust these things? I mean, after we've fallen on our knees before the Savior, we need to remember the promises and words of God. We need to remember in our moments of weakness that he knows, he cares, and he's there. That he's going to answer in his timing. He's going to answer his way according to his will. But after we go to Jesus, do we walk away believing these things? Do, do we trust that he's going to be true to his words and his promises? Because what we read in verse 50 is that the man took Jesus at his word and departed without even seeing an answer to his request. But I know, I know, the argument would be, yeah, but Andrew... The man got what he wanted. It was good news that he received from Jesus. It was easy for him to trust Jesus and go. But believers, it should be easier for us to trust Jesus. Even when we don't know the answer. Even when we don't know what Jesus is going to do, it should be easier for us. Haven't we already received many blessings from the Lord? Haven't we received his great salvation? and forgiveness, his comfort, his presence, to go along with many other blessings? Do we only take Jesus at his word when it's convenient? When things are happy? When it lines up with our will? This man had faith, but ours should be a deeper faith because this man wasn't even a believer. Those of us who are believers, we've already experienced Jesus' goodness and his truthfulness. And I was reading this story and I started to wonder, which of these statements applies to our lives the best way? This is something we each have to answer individually, believers. Which statement applies best to our lives? That unless we see signs and wonders, we'll never believe. Or that we take Jesus at his word. Which of those best describes you and me? Look at verse 51. While he was still on the way, this is the royal official. His servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea. To Galilee. So let's recap the story for ourselves real quick. The man began by believing that Jesus could heal his son if he came to Capernaum, laid hands on him. 
then he believed that Jesus could heal from a distance, that from a distance he could save his son. And then in the end, the man simply believed in Jesus, the one who could save him too. And his whole household was changed forever. The official learned that Jesus' words are not just powerful, but they're always true. And believers, when we look at our lives, that means that when we read God's words to us in the Bible, we can take them at his word. We need to remember that. That we need to take him at his word. We don't have to live lives of uncertainty and lives of doubt. When we trust Jesus Christ, when we trust God's words to us, our faith will grow. Like the royal official's faith grew. Our faith is going to grow in those moments. When we fall on at his feet and we get up believing him, his purposes are also going to become more clear in our lives. And one of the reasons we don't see God's answers to our prayers, or at least what he's doing in our lives, is because we spend so much time questioning him and doubting and arguing with him that we don't see the things that he's doing. Instead of all this, we need to be believers who take Jesus at his word and trust him in all things. Let's learn a lesson from the royal official who was on a journey to saving faith. Because for those of us who have experienced that saving faith, we should know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus, Jesus is always true to his word. We need to remember that. That great preacher, D.L. Moody, he once told a story about the day that he was standing in his friend's garden near the place where the wall was that surrounded the garden. He said he was standing there talking with his friend, and as two young boys approached, the friend said, hey, watch the difference between these two kids. So the friend reached out, and he picked up the first little boy, and he put him up on top of the wall. He stood back, told the boy to jump. Without even thinking, the little guy sprang right into the man's arms. He caught him, he put him down, and then he put the second little boy up on the wall. This little boy was nervous. In fact, he was terrified. No amount of encouragement could get him to jump. So he picked the boy back up, put him down on the ground. And Moody asked his friend, he said, why, why is it so different for these two kids? His friend said, well, the first, first one's my son. He knows me, trust me. That second one's somebody else's boy. That's why he didn't trust me. And a lot like the second boy in the story, the royal official, he didn't know a lot about Jesus. The difference is that he was willing to trust Jesus to follow through on his promise to save. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, who can say we put our faith in him as our Savior, we should be like that first little boy in the story. We should have no issue leaping into the promises of Jesus Christ. Jesus already proved himself to us over and over again. It should be nothing for us to spring forward into his arms and into the truth of everything that he says. So believers, the question for us this morning is, do we take Jesus at his word? Do we trust him? Do we trust all the things that he said to us? Surely he's proven himself to us in our lives over and over again. Let's not be like the unbelieving crowds who are constantly asking for more miracles, never satisfied, always doubting. Now let's learn a lesson from the royal official and learn that what Jesus says he means and that what Jesus says is always true. Let's understand this truth this morning. That we need to take Jesus at his word because his words will never fail. Let's remember that. We need to take Jesus at his word because his words will never fail. And First Baptist Church of Oxford, let's determine to be followers of Jesus that trust him in everything that he says. Whether or not we see his answers right away.
Let's trust Him. Let's trust that when we pray, He hears us. Let's trust that even when we don't know what's going on, He's working all things together for His greater purposes. That He's doing what's best. And then, then let's imitate our Savior. In a world full of dishonest people, let's be truthful like our Savior is. If you're joining us today here on campus, online, listening on the radio, and Jesus isn't your Savior, I want to share something else that Jesus said that is 100% true, and I hope you'll hear this truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And what Jesus was saying, friend, is that all the things you and I can do don't make us right in God's sight. No amount of going to church, no amount of tithing, no amount of good works will get us into heaven, will earn us God's favor. Now, the only way to be made right in God's sight, the only way to be forgiven of our sins is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so even though we can't make up for our sins, Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect life, and at the end of that life, willingly died on the cross to take the wrath you and I deserve. After he died, he powerfully rose from the dead three days later, proving that he is the Savior, the Son of God, not a mere man like so many people continue to think of him. He's the only one who can rescue us from hell. And the Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you have never made that decision, I hope that you'll choose to make that decision today because you can do it no matter where you are. Would you pray with me? Friend, if that's you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, please know you don't, have to, you don't have to wait until you've done a little bit better, until you've attended church a little longer. You don't have to wait until you get home. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. Jesus came and he died for me and you and for this whole world so that he could forgive us. And friend, if you're ready to make that decision, please know that you can go to Jesus Christ in prayer Confess the fact that you're a sinner. Put your faith in Him, His death, His resurrection. Give your life to Him. He'll hear you when you pray. And He'll save your soul. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone with us that has never made that decision, that today they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because Your Word is clear. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to be made right in Your sight. Help us to be believers they don't just take seriously your word, but believe your word. Every part of it. We don't have to live lives of uncertainty, lives of doubt. Father, many times we do that. When we question you, we argue with you, we start to believe that you don't have what's best in mind for us. We lose sight of the fact that many times you're working and we just don't see it. Teach us to trust you in all things, even when things are difficult. Even when we're in those dire situations that seem never-ending, help us to trust you more. Teach us to take you at your word. Help us to remember the example of the royal official. And then, Father, help us to go out and imitate you and be a truthful people so that in our lives we could point people to the only one who can save them, and that's Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.